When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, a man with his own schemes to plan, Ryan Nelson. You know, Justin, if you can't lose your virginity to your uncle... (laughs) Who can you lose it to? The Handsome (laughs) Prince, I guess, is the next best thing, isn't he? (laughs) I guess so. So. It needs to be repeated again. George R.R. Martin, you were a sick, (laughs) sick man. Yeah. Oh, boy. We got a lot to talk about in this one. So we're going to get into it just a little bit. But before we do all that, uh, if you have been listening to the podcast since we started back in January, thank you for continuing to listen. And thank you for continuing to make us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about the third episode. I'm sorry, the fourth episode of the house of the dragon titled king of the narrow sea on hbo and hbo max if you are new or irregular and like more access to the show visit our patreon page and become a patron of the main attraction podcast you go to patreon.com slash the main attraction podcast and you can get patreon only content you can support us at a three five ten or twenty dollar level when you join up we'll shout you out here on the show if you can't be a patron you can help the show out by rating us on spotify and apple Podcasts. leave us a five-star rating and if you have time write us a review while you're there if you do write a review we'll read it on air next time we record all right (laughs) so uh general thoughts what you think about this one I feel like I need to go to church. <laughs> I feel like I need to take a bath. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a... I, I thought we were watching Eyes Wide Shut via for, King's Landing. For My a second goodness. there, yeah. It's kind of what it felt like for a second there. Uh, yeah. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, it really was. It was... This one was... Let me see. I'm trying to think of the best way to do it. Because there is probably like a... I don't know, uh, a five-minute scene where sex is at the front and center of the entire episode. And this is what's going to be the part that gets talked about throughout the th- over the course of the next week when people are talking about this show is obviously this one scene. So you have the scene where Damon, and this is just what Matt Smith is, this is where he just continues to show his brilliance in this show because what he has done prior to this episode, all the fir- first three episodes, a lot of what he has done has been lashing out in almost childlike fashion as a rebellion. Yeah. This time, this is a much more adult plan. And adult, I know, obviously, we're talking about sex, but, so, but yeah. nevertheless, it's more of a grown up, I guess this is probably a better way to say it. it's more of a grown up idea to try to get to his brother and to ruin his brother's plans by going after his daughter and by going after her virtue, which is ultimately something that would make it much harder to find a marriage partner for her. It's like I said, it is much more of a scheme than anything he has done up until this point. 
But do you think that was fully what he was up to? Yeah, because I, uh, here's the reason well, why. They've always had that thing. They and, have. And also, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. We have seen he can't perform sexually. Yeah. Well, that's what I think that is. That's what I think is the problem here. Because did you watch? The, I watched a little bit of that inside the episode thing. Did you watch that? I did not. Okay. Because that's where is I wanted some clarification on this. Because I wanted to see if they. Because I figured they would talk about it, and I wanted a little bit more clarification to make sure I understood the scene correctly. And it was kind of what I thought was happening. Because what he's doing is yes, there is there is this. There is this a bit of attraction. There's this chemistry between the two of them. They've kind of established that throughout the course of the show. And I knew they were going back to it because at the very beginning, when they're doing their previously on thing, that's like one of the first things they show. Yeah, right. So I felt like they were going that way immediately. But what I thought about what they were talking about on the inside of the episode thing, like I said, this is what I wanted to find out. When they get to the house of pleasure and they're kind of going through their motions, they're going through the seduction thing. The reason he can't consummate the act basically. And the reason he comes up, comes up impotent. They explain this in the inside of the episode is the moment he realizes that she's kind of taking control and she's enjoying this and she's wanting it just as much as, as he did. It took away the allure of it for him. And now because he wanted to be in control of the situation, he wanted to be the one basically in control of what was going on. Once that's gone from him, he can't do anything anymore. And that's the reason. Okay. Why. So I'm, I've got to ask, we've seen, I think this is the third time we've seen him where mm-hmm. he can't perform. Right. So does he have to be raping someone? It kind of him? makes me wonder that. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it, 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 there is for him, it seems to be, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know if it necessarily has to be raping somebody, but he's got to have, it's like he needs something that gives him more than just the feeling of sexual pleasure. It, it's what, it's what it okay. seems like. It's that's what it appears. Like I said, now I may be wrong about that last part, but like I said, I did want to double check up because when they did the, I don't normally stick around for the inside of the episode stuff. I did on this one. Cause I wanted to make sure I understood that scene. And that's okay. one of the things that the showrunner, I can't remember which one, well, there's I'm two gl- of them. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad they, they showed that because I thought it was, you know, we have shown him impotent several times. Yeah, they have. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was kind of like this thing where he's this great warrior, right. but he, you know, he he has an issue. Well, that. I think the, I think that's kind of what it gets into is because that's what because when when he's brought before Viserys and Viserys, he tells him, "Give me, give me your daughter, give me Rhaenyra, as you told me I could have anything I want. Give it, give her to me. I will, uh, I will, I will marry her as she is." And he t- and Viserys confronts him and says, "You're already married." And he says, "Well, Aegon the Conqueror had two, had multiple wives." And he says, "You are no conqueror." It's like I think that's what it has to be. Sex is not only does he have to be feel like he has to be like Aegon the Conqueror, but he feels like he has to conquer not only in the battlefield, but also sexually. I think that's what yeah. they're getting at on this. I really honestly believe okay. that. I think that's what they're setting up for for him personally. And okay. the, and it, it, they they don't shy away from this because even Rhaenyra says this to him as in that early scene. He says she says you know you haven't put a child in in your own wife, right? Uh, right. So I mean obviously there are some issues here with this. And yeah. it, oh, I, there's a lot. Of yeah, issues. there are. So like I said, I think that it, I think this is what they're trying to establish in this show is. He has to be a conqueror in everything he do. He can't. He can't okay. just simply 
be just a, a married man or a brother. He's got to, he has to have something that he has to conquer. And I think it even goes into the bedroom for him. I, I, I think that's what they're setting up on here. Okay. So your sociology background, <laughs> this has to be just like, giving you the tingles well yeah because this this family is uh, all kinds of yeah psychological issues they've got all kinds of issues and like i said sociology is more of a a broader spectrum where psychology is more of an individual but nevertheless it's still it kind of goes into the one of the things that we study a lot about is just the effects of the family and when it starts to break down what it can actually mean towards society in general but when you have a an incredibly dysfunctional family that is at the top of the is like the king and like runs the realm and runs the kingdom. And you have this much dysfunction. Obviously they are hinting at this is going to be a very, uh, what's the word? Dyn- uh, volatile situation, uh, yeah. explosive. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. they kind of hint at that. I'm sure you saw the, the next, right, the, trailer, the, the next episode looks insane. And let me just add, Another thing. Uh, th- by the way, that should be a drinking game. How many times I say, let me add one more thing. My wife <laughs> mentioned that to me. She's right. And I've noticed I've said it multiple times in the previous episode. But anyway, you thought the Game of Thrones books, if you look at them all, how how big they are right. and how, how many pages. Can you imagine the pages that oh, George R. R. Martin's therapist has on him? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You thought those books were long. Yeah, Jeez. it's got to be something else for him to have to go, to go through. But, yeah, it's – like I said, it was – you felt like they were going down this road. I mean, they kind of set you up for this at, at the beginning of – even, like I said, when you see something on there previously on, you know that is something that is about to be addressed in the upcoming episode. They're, they're calling back yeah. to it. So there was a lot of things that they brought up. But one of the interest, – another interesting thing about this, this episode is, like I said, it's just – this whole thing is being set up because Damon has come back to Westeros. Well, let's talk about it. Let's let's start back at the yeah. beginning. Cause there's some things like that whole episode almost made me forget some of the things I want to talk about the, yeah. at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this episode is this interesting scene where you've got Rhaenyra. She is, she is sitting on, I guess was she a dragon. So I, I wasn't really sure where she was. Do you remember? Cause I, yeah, I, I yeah, well, she was with the Baratheons. Yeah, okay, that's where she was. Okay, so uh, she's with the Baratheons. She's going through this tour. She's trying to find somebody to marry, and she's at the house of the Baratheons. And so she has this guy who's older than her, her father, who is trying to court her. But then you have this guy from the Blackwoods uh, who is like – a child basically yeah. and, and you know it's just this juxtaposition that they're trying to show us here you've got all these people from a child who's wanting to marry her to this really old dude who's really wanting to marry her and right. it's like an almost impossible situation because she has she wants nothing to do with it and what like i said she this whole great scene what i love about the scene is it ends with the little kid taking out i don't know who it was that he took out but yeah. that was a fantastic scene where he took out his knee he, he did and I, I was like oh go blackwood kid i don't know who you are but that was pretty impressive I, on your part we're seeing that kid again i think so to. too i, I think yeah. we will too it'll probably be a few years and they'll age him up and then yeah. it'll be something more 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 well known but one of the other things i thought about this episode I'm not. This is the first time I'm really not sure where we are because the only time reference they make is Damon says it's been four years since he'd seen her. Is that four years since he saw her at 
Dragonstone? Is that four years since the Stepstones ended? I don't know yeah. where we are timelines on this. That's well, that's probably one of my issues. Because yeah, one, we don't see the we don't see Aegon, which right. would help us. That would help us a but, lot. Yeah. But am I crazy? Did someone mention she was now eighteen? I okay, I, I may that. have missed that, and that's probably that's one of the issues about doing this right after is I can't always go back yeah, and, and watch I, something. I feel like someone mentioned that that she was eighteen now. Okay, that means that, it's been that, a year. That, yeah, yeah, that Renero is now eighteen. Okay, if that's the case, it's been a year. So my guess is it's been four years since he saw her at Dragonstone. Then, if I had, yeah. if I had to understand that correctly, okay. So, so that makes a little bit more sense. But one of the things I liked about this episode is. Uh, you know, you can tell immediately that Damon has something up his sleeve the moment oh, he yeah. arrives. He's got that crown on that he's been oh, named no, before that, where the dragon. Oh yeah, when he flies falls. in. Yeah, and I love the way they have a dragon going through clouds. Yeah, just it's just fantastic. And then, like you said, him hitting their boat, right? So he would shake them so they could say. I mean, it's it's what Damon does. Yeah, Look it's what he me. does. Yeah, it's what he does. He's he always has to, you know, just kind of make his presence known. He has to always just have something to kind of irritate and to cause waves. Uh, well, they're out on a boat, so I guess it yeah. would cause waves. But nevertheless, um, like I said, so you have that scene. Then once he, everybody is coming to see how. I mean, that's what everybody's drawn to when he's going before Viserys. Everybody wants to see what's about to happen here, and he just walks up and he continues to walk up and like just literally walks into the sword of. I guess it was Sir Harold that had his sword out, yeah, and yeah. literally walks into it, bows down before him. He had this great moment between the two brothers, and. He, you're sitting there thinking, at least I was like, okay, what's he, what's he doing? What's he right. planning? Because I was like, I yeah, don't because Damon really looked beat down. He really did. But you know, for, for something we haven't seen from him, right. You know, he, he really looked beat down. He was still cocky because oh, yeah. he had, and he made sure to point out, well, they called me the king, right. The, you know, so, but he still, he, he, that war had done some damage to him. Yeah, that it, battle, it had. The final battle, especially. Right, it, it had. And like I said, but one of the things I'm getting from this, you know, they have really set up Damon as a villain. They they have done a lot of that throughout the course of the show. Mm-hmm. And look, let me, re, let me preface this as well. Neither of us have read the book, so we don't know what road they're going down with any of this stuff. This yeah. is a complete mystery to both Ryan and I. It kind of makes me wonder, because I've always thought ever since this show started that, that the civil war that they're leading to was going to be between either Viserys and, and Damon, or it was going to be between Damon and Rhaenyra. It feels like Damon is, I mean, they have called him throughout, throughout the course of this. If any interviews you've done that they've done with the people that are associated with the show, they call him an agent of chaos. I don't know that he is the ultimate villain that we have kind of thought he's going to be. No, I think we see who it is. It's going to be Otto. It's going to be Otto. He's going to be the one that starts this rebellion. And yeah. I think that's where they're going down. Now, I will say this. I kind of thought that this was going to be the last episode for, for Viserys and uh, Patty Constantine. I think we both I talked about that. So too. I, and I, I love what happens with his character. Cause like, uh, so the, the, when they're having, I guess you would call it a celebration, right? So they have the the scene, and and I love where, you know, it's Renera, uh, Allison, Damon, and uh, a very drunk Viserys, yes. <laughs> and 
I found out Damon and I do have one thing in common. We don't want to see the tapestry, both of us. I, I'm <laughs> That's <glad> true. <laughs> we, I finally have something in common with Damon Targaryen. But I love the scene of Renera and Alicent getting together, becoming friends again. And then because, you know, uh, Renera also mentions that, like, all women are good for is, is becoming an heir. Right. You know, bringing out heirs. Mm-hmm. And then she realized that's what Alice that's is what Alice doing. is doing mm-hmm. and yeah. then you know they had that moment where they're holding hands and and I love how Renera says you know for us marriage is a death sentence mm-hmm. yeah and then like you said the sex part of the whole episode then you show what Allison has been going through right that's one of the great and, juxtapositions of this of the episode yeah because previously it makes it look like Allison is enjoying herself. Right. And this, she is not, she is not the, 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 I guess helping his bandages, his wounds. Right. She's somewhat, yeah, she looks, she looks loving, but the sex part. Yeah. I mean, he does not want any part. Of uh, how old is Patty Constantine? Let me look that up real quick. Cause I, I looked up Matt Smith. Matt Smith is about to turn 40. Uh, Cause I wanted to look to ha- know I how Patty- I looked them up. I think Patty Constant is like 48. I think you're right. So, I mean, I would guess that he's probably about the same age. He's probably around 50 in, in the show, if I had to guess. So, I mean, you've got a 50 yeah. year old man. You got a 20 year old woman at this and point. A beat down 50 year old. Yes. Man. And he is, you know, he's, she's married he's, to, he's about to turn 49. Okay. So that's, that sounds about right. So like I said, it sounds like about, it sounds about right in terms of the show too. My guess is he's late forties, early fifties. You know, and she is like around 18, 19 years old. This is probably not what she had in mind when she got yeah. married. So that's that, you know, well, I not, go ahead. And not to mention just how nasty he looks with all the sores yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Like Patty Constance, actually a very attractive man. Right. But they, you know, and Viserys probably would have been as, as a younger man. Right. But like he looks like a really bad 50 year old and that's really beaten down the hair looks bad he's missing two fingers yeah 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 yeah. not good not a good shape of him no it's not so that's you know in this show she has to wake up and she's woke awoken in the middle of the night because he wants to have sex at this point and so and she's got to go and you know they're juxtaposing that with what's going on with rhaenyra and she is basically you know, she's wanting Damon. Like I said, what's so great about this though, is the way Damon sets it up for her because he has this bag of commoner clothes. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Millie Alcock, who considers herself to be uh, for them, they consider themselves to be uh, non-binary. The fact that they dress Millie Alcock up to look like a boy. And I think that's very much intentional. And that she gets called a boy throughout the course of that, time when she's out there but him taking her through the streets seeing that little play that they're doing in which they the, what's interesting about that play is they even mention in the play that the people love her yeah. but they don't want her to be queen they don't want her to right. be the ruler which is such a fascinating idea to me because like if you love her so much why don't you want her to be your queen we can't let a woman be a queen justin what do you think <laughs> I know, exactly uh which the odd that this airs the week the, that, the same week that like the the most beloved female queen of maybe of all time right you know has passed away 
Yeah, so like I said, there's that, that it's just that interesting dynamic. And yeah. Damon knows, I mean, I felt like he knew what was about to happen with this play because it upsets her and he can be kind of the comforting shoulder. And that's, that's kind of what this is all leading into. And so you have this juxtaposition where she, he takes her to the pleasure house and he's trying to set up the ice. Tastefully directed again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is so interesting the way that they are doing it with this one. Because, I mean, it really is. I mean, this is by far the most sex filled episode, to say the least. I mean, yeah. sex is such a central part of of the episode, just about, you know, did she have yeah. sex? Who, who did she have sex with? Uh, I, I, I just wish I could look as cool as Matt Smith and Billy Alcott would look looked as in their little, their little hiding costumes. Oh, I know, talking about it. Like they look like rock stars. They do. They look like rock I'd stars. I look like an elf. <laughs> <laughs> True. We, we would definitely look, not look nearly as cool as they do. So, yeah. uh, but just the juxtaposition of, you know, she's seeing because in this pleasure house, there's people who are, you know, there's gay couples there, there's lesbian couples there, there's people with doing having two or threesomes. Uh, so you've got there a lot. So much going on. There's I, I a lot. Tell what was all going on. But they were they were enjoying themselves and they weren't zooming in on what was happening. Yes, so they were not. Tastefully directed in film. I'm going to say it every time. Well, it's interesting the, because of the person who directed it, I don't remember the, the woman's name, but she was on the, you know, the inside the episode thing. So this was done by a woman. And one of the things that she was talking about was she wanted this to be from the perspective of a woman. She's, she said, you know, I, I struggled with that because all the sex scenes that I've seen basically throughout the course of my life, they've almost always been done by men. They've been directed by men. So, you know, she wanted, she wanted to put it through what a, what a woman, how a woman would experience this. And, you know, because if it were a man that you would, if it were like, if it were a man directing it and giving us a male perspective, it would probably be focused far more on the act itself. And we'd probably see a lot more, probably a lot more graphic in what they showed. Whereas with a woman doing the directing on this episode, you see some stuff. I mean, obviously that you see a few bare chests and stuff like that, but you don't see a ton of stuff. You obviously can tell what people are doing, but they don't focus in on the act itself. They're just focusing on the pleasure that all these people are having. And it's, it's what, Game of Thrones is made fun of. It it, right. it wasn't all tits and right. Dragons. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so Claire Kilner is her name, and she's directed a lot of really good TV, including several episodes of the show. Yeah, so. she's got. So they they said she directed, I think, uh, four or five and nine of, of this season. Oh, okay. So, so she'll, we'll see her again. You know, we'll we'll see cool. her work again in, in some of the later episodes, but. Like I said, just the the way that they juxtapose Rhaenyra going through this, and she's obviously having, you know, she's she's enjoying this. And like I said, we've talked about this again, so let's talk about it again. We talked about it earlier, but let's talk about it again. This idea that what Damon is doing in this, he is he has Rhaenyra where he wants her because this is this is how he gets at his brother by ruining and defiling her, his his daughter. And that's when he gets to that point where, you know, it looks like they're about to actually consummate the act and he can't do it. And like I said, in, yeah. in doing, ha- having watched that thing on the inside of the episode thing, I thought it made a lot more, I thought it really fit well in just into the, into the psyche of, of, of Damon Targaryen. Just this idea that if I can't conquer something like that, that's why I think they're really setting up with this is he has to conquer something. It's not just, you know, let me because that, that's one of the reasons why I think that Otto 
obviously Otto wants his own he has his own agenda but I think he is somewhat right and that's what this that's what's making this show so good is these are all complicated characters and we didn't have a whole lot of complicated characters in Game of Thrones because I do believe that Otto wants Aegon to be conquered wants to be king because he wants his own blood on the throne but I also truly believe he thinks that Damon would make a terrible king because he has too much of the original Aegon in him and I think that's part of it yeah, and, and you, you know, the more we talk about this, the more I realize how correct that is. Because Damien could have easily, if it was about having sex, he could have easily gone through that tunnel and just waited on her. Right. But he wanted to be caught because mm-hmm. he knows every time he's in that brothel, right. whatever he does gets told to uh, Otto. Right. Because he, he even took off his his hat, I believe. Yeah, he took off the act. He took off his hat. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, so he, he made a habit to take off of Rhaenyra's before they went in. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he, yeah, you're right, though, that that really, when you think about it, it really stands out. It's just such a, <laughs> so much going on that yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, and like I said, we've seen him not be able to perform multiple times now that it, that it makes you wonder what it was. But that, that totally makes sense. That he was trying to sell her, where where he may have another shot at the at the crown again, right. and you know, so he has that frustration where he just slams his hands up against the wall because he realizes he can't go through with it because it's not going the way that he planned. But this is, but what he has done though, he has awakened something in Rhaenyra that I don't think he really truly expected. Yeah, uh, because at this point, let's Rhaenyra's a little horny at this point. Yeah. Uh, so you know, she wanted something from her uncle, which is. You know, yeah. that's what the Targaryens do. Uh, she wants something from her uncle. She didn't get it. So she's kind of had a little, she's had a little gleam in her eye towards Sir Kristen Cole ever since this show started. And she basically seduces it. I wasn't real sure how willing of a participant Kristen Cole was at first, but it was like once they kind of got going, he was like, okay, yeah. I- I'm all in. Yeah. And as my wife pointed out, Renera uh, for a first timer, Sure knew what she was <laughs> she doing. Did. She really did. Uh, yeah, that was pretty she, obvious. Uh, had quite a few moves up her sleeve. Who knew? Yeah, she did. But one of the interesting things about this this part of it was because you know their clothes are they have all these laces yeah. and all this stuff. So it's like okay, so let's take ten minutes to get undressed and then we can finally do something. Yeah, uh, it would it would it would have taken Christian Cole fifteen minutes to get just, out of that suit. Yeah, just get out of his armor. So, uh, but. So even though Damon doesn't get what he what he wished for, what he doesn't, what he isn't aware of, his plan ends up actually working because Kristen Cole is supposed to be is supposed to be chased. He takes a vow of chastity when he becomes a member of the the King's Guard. So he's supposed to he's supposed to take a, a vow of celibacy from that point on. And you know at this, and he's also taking the virginity of of Rhaenyra, and that's a problem. Now I don't know how much they're going to reveal about all this. I have no idea. But I feel like they're not going to. That's going to be the secret. I, I I kind of feel like it is. Yeah, I kind of think so too. I don't think they're going. I think it's going to be focused on. I think from here on out, it's going to be focused more on Damon because I, Damon once again. This is the thing that he does. He does it. It goes back to that first episode when he never comes out and just actually admits to calling, calling Balon, you know, air for a day. He never, we never actually see him say it. He never really truly comes right. out and, 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 uh, denies it. 
he doesn't really admit or deny anything when he's approached by Viserys about about uh, Rhaenyra as well. So I said, it just continues this whole idea that, you know, he's just kind of putting things in motion and just kind of seeing where they fall. Yeah, and let me, I will say, let me say again. <laughs> Earlier in the episode, Viserys looked beat down. Yeah, he did. He could barely walk. Mm-hmm. We see all the lesions. He's, Looks like an old man about to die when he's having sex. He just looks horrible. Yeah. When he grabs his brother and throws him down, he is revitalized. It opens in something in him. Mm-hmm. He has opened up a can of whoop. He has. Then he, when he goes to Otto on the next scene, he is a king. He is it. That opened up something in him. Yeah. He it is did. pissed off and he's ready to make the right decision. And he has got his vitality back. He's yeah. ready to just whip people. Yeah, it, it it seemed to have woken something in him. And like I said, it was like said, Viserys is he has probably the the weakest character out of all yeah. of these. But when he has the moments to shine and when he has the moments to really step forward, Patty Constantine does a, a spectacular job of it. Yeah. And I think his performance throughout the course of this series so far is the most underrated, in my opinion, just because oh, yeah. having the worst character, having the character who has to come off as a bad king, a character who is physically weak. I mean, he even says in this episode that he's not the he's not a warrior. He wasn't. Yeah. His mother always favored Damon because Damon was the warrior, and he's not. So, like I said, Patty Constantine has the the hardest role to carry out in this, and I think he's doing a fantastic job of just balancing everything that he has to balance. Absolutely, because I thought at the beginning of this episode, this is probably it for Patty. Yeah, I did too. Because w- just the way he, I hate to keep going back. The way he looked when he was having sex and they kept showing the lesions, mm-hmm. I was like, this man's done. But when he's, the way he beat uh, Damon mm-hmm. and then got Nato's face, I was like, he ain't done yet. No, he's not done yet. And like one, the moment that I saw him cope before Damon's like, okay, I was <laughs> that was when I knew I was wrong about him yeah. not surviving the course of uh, this episode. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes I forget I'm Southern and I get, I get our poor – Indian listeners, everyone's like, "What did he say? <laughs> he ain't done yet." That's all right. Hey, we got revel in that, so my, 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 there's no sense in hiding who we are. So, uh, but there's a couple other interesting things. So when Damon wakens the next day, he's with Masseria. His, I, I don't ever know if they actually got married. I know he said he wanted to marry her and take a second wife. I guess he didn't yeah. because they don't mention him being her, her his wife at this point. So I guess he didn't actually uh, marry her. And they kind of. They mentioned his other wife. Yeah, they mentioned his other wife because he called her the the ruby or no the bronze bitch is what he called her. Uh, That's what it was when they were talking in their Targaryen language. uh, He called her the bronze bitch. So they do actually reference his his wife in in this, even though we still have not seen her. I don't know if we'll ever going to see her. Yeah, I love how we try to be family friendly, but you can't with this. With this show, yeah, we're doing the best we can on this. So uh, I mean, we're having a brothel for an orgy. (laughs) Yeah, and and like sex is at the front and center of this episode. So uh, it's it's by far the hardest to make this to make. uh, you know the other ones have we've we've done a pretty good job of them. Yeah. This one it's a little bit tougher. So, yeah. uh, but you know he wakes up there and like I said that scene was just one of the things I liked about that scene is it just continues to make Damon Targaryen. 
he he just continues to show the consequences of just his recklessness. I mean, he's yeah. he's kind of like just he's hung over. He's almost completely passed out from the previous night because he's so drunk. And who knows what he was doing after he left for Nera. We have no idea at this yeah. point, but he's just kind of in a mess. And then when he goes, when he's summoned before the king, he's a complete and total mess. I mean, this dynamic warrior is just a heap of human flesh at this point. Right. And like I said, it's just so great what Matt Smith does with this character. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he's going to win. If he doesn't win an Emmy whenever they do Emmy awards for, for this particular performance, I, I don't know who would. <laughs> well, I will say the, the best supporting actor in any of the categories, because he's going to be, he's going to be nominated for best supporting. Right. It's the hardest. Yeah, category. It yeah. It's just stacked. Uh, but I also love that it all, Every once in a while, we we see Masaria again, right. which we know at some point she is going to be a huge character. Right. We get a little bit of her, and we see how much her how Damon needs her. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, it's just a reminder. At some point, you got to be reminded that this show is going to go on several seasons. Right. And at some point, she's going to be a huge part. Well, she says it at one point in this episode. She's uh, the, in the small scene that she's in is. Uh, she has given up the the life of of uh, of, of a uh, uh, of a horror. I don't really know yeah, what to say, say it. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to keep it family friendly, but you know what? I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, but yeah, she's given up. The, she she says she's given up that life. She doesn't say what she's doing now, though. So I'm interested yeah. to say what it is that she is now doing. Is she going down? Is there, is there some been some people have suggested that she is actually uh, Melisandre. That this is actually the same character. Oh man! And I'm starting to I wonder would, that. I would love that. Yeah, like I said, I'm kind of wondering if that's the case because obviously, when Melisandre reveals herself to be who she actually is, she was like, she was like ancient. several hundred years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- that's gonna happen. I feel like that's that's the, the path they're going down. And I'm all for that. So, yeah, I would be too. So, like I said, I'll be interested if that's what ends up happening because it kind of feels like they're going down that. And then when she said yeah. she gave up that lifestyle in this episode, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of wondering if that's where they're going with this. So, uh, but what's also interesting is the person who ends up confronting Rhaenyra at the, after all this has transpired is Alicent. And it was, you know, you had the scene at the beginning where the two seemed to be have re- reconnected and reconciled their friendship. But now that's on that's being tested again because she Allison has to go to her and she has overheard the conversation between Otto and her husband and she goes to Rhaenyra to find out what truly happened and Rhaenyra lies to her. I mean, she I flat out lies. Look, she may have been telling the truth about a little bit of the truth about Damon. He she, she says he never touched her, which we obviously know that it's incorrect. Yeah, but. He, she says she tells Allison, "My virtue is still intact," and that's not the case. I mean, that yeah. is very much not true. Well, he didn't touch her, but he poked her. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Allison, my wife and I were talking about this. Is there an attraction that we didn't see? I was kind of wondering the same thing. Yeah. Because she was very jealous acting. Yeah, she was. I thought that was kind of the case too. Uh, I didn't know. I don't know how much there is to that, but I, I think this is kind of, I think with Rhaenyra, they are really exploring some stuff with her. They are yeah. because she has, you know, 
the entire time that her throughout the course of her life, she has been ignored by her father. She, and once she finally gets his attention after her mother and her brother pass away, she, he's, she still just becomes a pawn for her dad by marrying, trying to get her married off. And none of this is going the way that she wants. And the moment that Damon kind of puts into her head, you know, you're the queen or you'll be the queen. You're a princess, you're royalty. And you can, even though we may, cause he says this, we marry for political reasons, but we can do whatever we want after we get married. And he puts that little idea in her head. It seems to have awakened a lot in her. And, yeah. It seems like maybe there's maybe maybe they're going to go down the road where there's something there's a little spark between Alicent and and Rhaenyra. Maybe they're going down that road. There's obviously a spark between there is there is a spark between Damon and Rhaenyra, even though it didn't work out for Damon the way that he had intended. Obviously, there's something between her and Kristen. They're really exploring some stuff with her. I don't know how it's all yeah. going to play out, but they're really exploring some stuff. But what I did find interesting is this at this point. Viserys, Viserys has said, "You're marrying your cousin over there." Yeah. Uh, what, is, what is his name? I can never remember his. He's Lenore. Lenore. Lenore uh, Valerian is who he says. He basically says, "Enough with this games. I know I told you you could marry whoever you wanted to, but this is who you're marrying. We're we're done with this." And she agreed to it, which I thought was yeah. surprising. But it, looking back on it, by this idea that you know, it feels like you know, I'll marry whoever you want. But now that I got this idea in my head, that I can step out whenever I want to. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. I, I feels like that's what they were kind of saying with and, this. Yeah, no, nothing like some incest between your brother and your daughter to bring <laughs> out the, the king, yeah. the best king d- decisions in you. Yeah, so good for you, Viserys. Yeah, it's meant to, like, but that's so. That's what one of the most fascinating parts of the show is that the the strangest things bring out the best in Viserys. Uh, I mean, this yeah. idea that you know his daughter had sex with his with his brother brings out the best in him, and not because he's happy about it, but because it angers yeah. him. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other instances when this was the case. Uh, when well, his, and I also love that Viserys might be the smartest person on the show his of history his knowledge right. mm-hmm. and like he, the way he has interpreted dreams like from the get-go you know he told us hey you can't trust these dragons right exactly you know, you know and then just the history he knows no one else like he knows so much more right. he's just so cautious and scared and it makes him a terrible king right but now that those chains seem to be lifted. Yeah, and that's one of the, and this is what just makes the the juxtaposition of this show versus the Lord of the Rings and oh. the change of the difference between George R. R. Martin and J.R.R. Tolkien so interesting as well because J.R.R. Tolkien has one of the bit things that is so resonates throughout everything that he does is the idea that power just corrupts people and you get this. I mean, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> The books of Lord of the Rings, uh, Aragorn is not nearly as reluctant of a king as he is in the shows. And he's really not that reluctant at all because Elrond basically says, you know what, if you want to marry my daughter, he, he she's going to marry the king of Gondor. She's not marrying just somebody, somebody else. So uh, yeah. so he's a little bit, he's less reluctant in the books, but there's still a little bit of reluctance in him to be the king. But throughout the course of all of that, I mean, Frodo reluctantly takes on the ring in the ring of power in Lord of the Rings. Gandalf kind of is always kind of reluctant to use his power to 
get his way when a lot of other people would. So like I said, there's this idea that power corrupts so much in all the J.R. Tolkien stuff with J. George R. R. Martin. It's like he says, good people make bad rulers because you really feel like Patty Constantine is a pretty good guy, but he's a bad ruler. And right. that's what's so interesting about the way that they both look at things. George R. R. Martin obviously was greatly inspired by J.R. Tolkien. There, I mean, there's no question about that. He said that in the, in the past, Yeah, but just their, their different outlooks on these types of worlds is just so interesting to me. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, you, you hear so much about Tolkien, being inspired by his Catholicism. Right. And I feel like George R. R. Martin was inspired by the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> well, he may have been. That may have, that may have been the case. So. There's a lot of cousins. That's right. You know, if, on that show as hey, well. if Daisy Duke had been around when J.R. Tolkien was writing, he might have had the same issue. So, uh, yeah, so like I said, there's just so many different contrast between the two of them now, one thing i do want to uh, i wanted to ask you and i because i wasn't 100 positive so the dagger that she that she picks up when she goes to see her father renera when renera goes to see her father mm-hmm. that's the dagger that aria stabs the white walker the white the witch king uh, yeah, with right i believe i believe you are correct okay yeah. i wanted to make sure i felt like that's what they were doing but they bring in this idea because apparently that all this information that he shared with with Rainier in the first episode about the song of Ice and Fire, this is apparently inscribed on it, but you only get to see it with heat, which is another kind of J.R. Tolkien callback to where the inscription on the ring only shows up if it's been dropped in fire. So you got another parallel right there, which I thought was interesting. But, uh, but yeah, this whole episode, it's the most i'm trying to think what's the best way to describe it. it's the most intriguing even yeah. if it's not the most action-packed in my opinion well there's a lot of action well okay <laughs> so, okay I know what you're saying. I, I think a lot of, different a lot of kind of action well, yeah. well, the way and, and and i gotta give the writers of this show and and george is i've been picking on him a lot tonight but the way he uses the sex mm-hmm. with the power yeah. so much and to show, you know, what the women are dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, it opened up something in Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Like she became a power where she's like, I, I can do whatever I want. And now I have, I realize what power I have being a woman, a, a sexual woman. Right. And then, and then you have Allison who's just like, like, like the line said, it's it's a it's a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then this opened up something, and in Viserys, which leads to one of the best scenes of the show, of when he tells Otto, "I I don't know why I didn't see your plan all along, right. but you're done, sir." Right, exactly. And he takes the hand for himself. Interesting who ends up putting it in as Larry, the hand of the king. It's got to be Laris, right? Yeah, you would kind of expect that, since I guess he plans to wed them together. So you would kind of, you would kind of think no, that. No, I mean Larys Strong, the guy. That oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you said Larys. Like no, Lionel. Lionel. Lionel is Lionel. Yeah, it's Lionel. Larys is the the son that that we saw last week. Yeah, you would think it would be Lionel Strong because he's been the one he can go to the most. Yeah, I bet that. I bet you're right. But that's where they. But it could be. It could be Lord Corliss though. Yeah, it could be. Just it's gonna be one of the two. It's gonna be one of the two. Yeah, it feels that way. And we didn't get we didn't get uh, Lionel Strong in this one. He he was not present for any of the the goings on in this one. So I bet he has a role. 
everything Viserys has been doing, it's been the stuff that he told him to do. Right. So, and he's finally taking that advice and going down that road. Yeah. So, uh, I guess we did see him a little bit there at the beginning of at the. Well, yeah, he was in the council, but I don't know if he even said anything. I don't think he did either. We all, only person we heard was the Maester and yeah. and Otto at that point. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of the final scene of this episode where. Uh, the Grand Maester is walking down. He's got that. He's got that vial in his hand. And he's going to Rhaenyra's room. He knocks on her door. She. He comes in. He places it before her, and basically, he's saying that if you need to have an abortion, you need yep. to drink this 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 tea that I have concocted. And like I said, I don't know what all this means in terms of the show going forward. Because is this kind of, you know. She obviously, you know, they don't know how the, things were different back then. They don't have a, you know, they don't have pregnancy tests that they can do take right there immediately. They don't, there's nothing that they can do to prove that she did or didn't do anything with her, her uncle. And obviously she does end up having sex with, with Kristen Cole. So she does, there is the possibility that she might need to actually drink that. Is this, yeah. uh, you know, it makes me wonder, is this a, is this a test from her father as well? Because he tells her, he told the maester to take that to her. That if she drinks it, does he know that she did something she wasn't supposed to? Like I said, I really don't know what to make of this last scene. I think it's, he's worried that Damon has knocked her up. Yeah. Well, I think that's, the, I think that's obviously but, the case. Uh, but but you're, just, you're making a good point with the test. Right. Part. Like if you drank this, then you did go through with it. Right, because if you didn't, but, if you didn't do something, then why are you drinking it? So, yeah, uh, like I said, yeah. I don't know, and I kind of felt like that's what Millie Alcock was going, what she was selling when she was sitting there looking at it, because she was just kind of looking at it like, what did I do with this thing that's sitting here in front yeah. of me? Yeah, and like I said, I don't know, I don't know if that's going to that's going to be important going forward or not, but it did feel like an important scene at the time. Yeah. So, all right, uh, what else do we need to talk about? Have we co- have we covered everything? I kind of feel like we did. Yeah, um, I kind of feel like we did too. Yeah, I think we did. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into our weekly awards then. So here on the Main Attraction Podcast, we give three awards throughout the course of a of a season when we're covering a season of television. And our first award is the Tyrion Lannister, the MVP of the week. Who's your MVP for this week on House of the Dragon? So I went co here because I thought this was going to be their last episode, but we know they're in the next one. Right. And we're really going to miss these two. And I feel for Olivia Cook and Emma Darcy right. because they got some big shoes to follow. Yeah, they do. And that is Millie Alcock, Alcock and uh, Emily Carey yeah. uh, as Renera and Allison. They have killed it. Yeah, they have. They and- have been. I, I hate that we're recasting. These two are, have been excellent they have they've been very very good and i think it's interesting the way because one of the things i've read about them is the creators the showrunners and the directors and all the people who are responsible for putting the show on they they told the adult actresses and the child actresses well i guess they're not really children because millie alcock i know is 21 i'm not sure how old, or 22 i'm not sure how old uh the other one is but the younger version i guess let's just say call them that they've told the older version the younger version not to spend any time together because you would think that, you know, they would want that so they could kind of keep going forward, but they wanted them to have their own interpretation because at some, because whenever they make the jump and when I'm assuming it's going to be after this next episode, I could be wrong. I think I feel like you're right. But whenever they do make the jump, they want them to have their own 
spin on the characters because time has passed. Obviously, you know, yeah. you know, 15, 20 years, however long, however long they're going to jump this thing forward in the future. And those, that time will have taken a toll on them and they will be different people. So they wanted them to have their own take on the characters. And that's one of the reasons why they didn't want these, these two, the actresses to hang around each other that much. So they didn't want them to be the same. They wanted to be different. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I'm just going to, since we're, since I've mentioned them, do you think we've seen the last of those two once we jump? Do you think there could be some flashbacks? I think there'll be flashbacks. Like, I think they've been so good. I don't see how you don't use them again. Yeah, I think there'll be flashbacks at least in this season. Now, I don't know about season yeah. two or three or whatever yeah. going forward, but I feel pretty confident this season they will be seen again in flashbacks to, to kind yeah. of bridge gaps between whenever they make a big, because there's obviously yeah. going to be a big time jump that happens. Right, right. Well, I want to say those, those two uh, young actors will not be uh, unemployed for long. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just went with Millie Alcock for this one, uh, yeah. but you're right about uh, about Allison. She's she's been what's her name, Emily? What? Uh, uh, Emily Carey. Emily Carey. I don't have her on my list for some reason. I don't know why I don't have her on my list of characters. But yeah, she's been she's been really good as well, and well, she has. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I was going to say, she hasn't had nearly the opportunities to have that Millie Alcock has had. That's, yeah. uh, but she, when she has had the opportunities, she, she's made the most of them. So. Well, and also, like I mentioned earlier, and we talked about, like we thought in the previous episodes that Allison was enjoying herself as a queen and right. it was she was all of it was fine and then we see this episode oh no right. she's having to drink and it's you know she is not enjoying herself well I, well i talked with blake about this in episode two is there are time there were times in that episode where i felt like it felt like she was doing just something out of duty to her father out of responsibility to her father and that she wasn't enjoying it i didn't know after we saw episode last uh, episode three i wasn't really sure if that was still the case i don't know that she really enjoys being a mother that much because the one time we see her you know supposed to be comforting her baby she looks pretty annoyed she does. <laughs> i mean so i'm not really sure how much she's enjoying being a mother at this point uh i'm assuming that was a daughter that she ended up having it looked like she was dressed up in a girl's clothes it's kind of hard to tell yeah. in in yeah. these yeah. ancient ring and these you know medieval clothes but but yeah like i said i think she's i think there are parts of it that she likes i think there are parts of it she doesn't like and it's a very she's very conflicted this kind of goes into the and she is probably the one that is shows this the most just how complicated all of these characters are because like i said i think there's a lot of this that she likes doing i think she does have a fondness for viserys because you have that scene where he's in the bathtub and and they're like supposed to be like i guess rubbing like i don't know i guess doing something to like for his wounds and they're not making any better when so she tells everybody leave and she takes over and she and he tells her you know you have a much better touch or you have a much gentler touch i don't remember what the line was that he said so like i said there are parts that it seems like she truly does care for this man but she doesn't really care for him as you know romantically i I never really got that i never got that impression when they started setting this up that she truly romantically cared about him I thought I think I don't I don't know that I initially thought that about Viserys even in episode two when they were really starting this whole thing. I think yeah. he, he just felt comfortable with her. But he's gotten to the point where he does romantically care about her. And she I think sees him more as kind of like an uncle than anything else. And you know, yeah. that she just has to have sex with on occasion. So Right. Well, like you mentioned, I kinda of felt like last episode maybe she did, but no. 
Not true. Yeah, like I said, and that's where that interest. That's where that dynamic of, you know, I care for this man, and I I do love him, but and the, I think that's what she was really showing in episode three. But it wasn't the romantic love that right that yeah. is associated with it. And like I said, I think they really do a good job of showing that. This is mm-hmm. this episode really does a good job of showing it, where it shows that yes, I do care for him, but I, I have no romantic attraction to him whatsoever. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, they're both great. Uh, let's, I'll be more than happy to give both of them the Tyrion Lannister for this week. The Agatha all along, the best scene of the episode. What are you going with on this one? <laughs> I'm I'm going with Viserys taking down Otto Hightower. Yeah, yeah I mean that was a good one. Scene. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm going with uh, the the brothel scene or the the pleasure house scene just because I think that's the crux of the episode. Uh, yeah, is because that's where. That's where the tension all centers around on this episode. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of tension. You're right about that. Uh, but that's where everything is centered on on this episode is what takes place in there. That's the reason I'm going with it. But the scene where Viserys just absolutely just starts wailing on on Daemon Targaryen, it's it's a fantastic one too. Yeah. So yeah. All right. The if you come at the king, you best not miss. What's your best line for this week? So, you know, we mentioned, well, I've mentioned several times that, you know, for uh, Rhaenyra's and for a woman, marriage is a death sentence. Right. But I'm going to go with, and it was when Viserys is kicking <laughs> Damon and says, you are a plague brought to destroy me. Yeah, that was that was a good one. I, I, that's I thought about going with that one, uh, but I went with the one about the death sentence. I thought that was I thought that was yeah. just so interesting because it does it kind of it does show what Rhaenyra is going. Well, I, what's the best way to describe this? Well, she it's basically it changes her idea. It really shows her idea of what sex is and what marriage is prior to this little outing that she has with her uncle and like just completely changes after that point. And because she has a completely yeah. different idea about how all this is supposed to work at this point from now on. So that's the reason I ended up going with it. So, yeah. All right. Our rating, we have a five tier rating system here on the main attraction podcast at the top of our list is a game of Thrones. Just beneath the game of Thrones is a lost middle of the road for us is friends. Just beneath friends is a full house and at the bottom of the barrel for us is a Baywatch. What are you going after four episodes of house of the dragon? How do you rate this show so far? Man. All right, I'm going to go with the loss, but I'm very close to being a Game of Thrones. Uh, if we were, if this was like one of the last episodes of the season, I I would probably go Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. We got a lot. We got a lot left in the tank. Yeah, I know. I, I really, I keep wanting to push it to a Game of Thrones because I feel like, look, it's a great show. Uh, it is a great show. And I guess I'm, the only thing, I, there are a couple of key components I'm missing to push this up to a Game of Thrones so far is, look, the political intrigue is is just absolutely fa- fascinating. It is what's driving the show. Matt Smith has just been absolutely dynamic every time that he has been on. I do still think we miss, you know, that Tyrion Lannister character, that character who is somebody to root for throughout the entire time, somebody that you absolutely love and just clicks every time they're on screen. I do think we're missing that in, in this show so far. No, I, I can agree on that. And also the fact we are going to lose Millie Alcott, yeah. who mm-hmm. the, 
really the last three episodes has just been stellar yeah. and, and mm-hmm. just been a force. The fact that we are have very little time left with her and probably Patty Constantine as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that's going to be like when they're gone. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point. You know, it's it's really hard to move this into the Game of Thrones category when the cast is about to change. And yeah. what's it going to be like once it changes? Do we still enjoy these characters as much? I, look, yeah. they're, they're all being directed, and the showrunners are all, all the same. So I really feel like they will. I really feel like we'll, yeah. we'll still be just as in, engrossed and as enchanted as in this show as we, uh, as we have been up until this point once they change over. But, you know, you still need to be able to, you still got to prove it. You still got to show it once the time yeah. comes. So, well, and also I know this is going to sound crazy. I mentioned Dukes of Hazard before they replaced Bo and Luke. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. And the, the new Bo and Luke coy advance were terrible. Yeah, they and were. Everyone hated them. That is an, a legitimate worry yeah, in this is. show. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, Millie Alcock has got to be very popular right now. Yeah, I'm sure she is. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I, I feel very confident that she is. So, yeah. All right. Before we head off, we do like to give recommendations to our listeners. What are some things you're recommending this week to our listeners? So I've caught up with the uh, Paramount Plus show, The Offer. Oh, really? About the making of The Godfather, and it was fantastic. Really enjoy it. Starring uh, Miles Teller, who has been all over this summer. Yeah, he has. The, 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 the summer of Teller has continued. And uh, it, again, is about the making of The Godfather, really about making, getting the movie made, and there's the mafia involved. Right. Frank Sinatra is involved. The studio is having problems. Uh, if you know who Robert Evans is, I don't. this crazy producer, if you look him up, you'll recognize him. He is played by the British actor Matthew Good, and he is fantastic. Uh, Marlon Brando is involved, so <laughs> there's just so much going on, and it you know it ends with one of the greatest movies of all time being made, and it's just it is fascinating. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it is. It's one of those shows, especially now that it's all all episodes are available. You can bench. It is, is a fun bench. It's it's a show. I may have watched all episodes. Uh, this I have to do this thing called work. And it, <laughs> yeah. got, it got in the way of yeah, me staying up all night watching the show. It's really annoying. Uh, but uh, I would definitely definitely uh, recommend it. And the other show I've been watching, and the last two episodes come out this weekend. Uh, is uh, welcome to Re- welcome to Rexham. It is. I'm telling you, it's this year's Ted Lasso. I know people kind of mention the Bear, but I think it's this show on Hulu. It is about. It's really a documentary series uh, starring Ryan Reynolds right. uh, playing himself and Rob McElhaney from uh, Mythic Quest and. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. They buy a soccer team Mm -hmm. in Wales, uh, a very bad soccer team, and they become the owners, and they're trying to uh, improve the team. And it's really fascinating and inspiring because they show about Ryan and Rob's background as being from working-class areas, and the people of Rexham are from working class area of Wells mm-hmm. and they're showing how much similar they are right. and they're building the team up and try, and, but you know, 
these are two men with wealth now, right. and they're trying to use their wealth to, to to inspire the town and to make the town better. So it's really great. I think it's I think it's this year's Ted Lasso. If you enjoy documentaries, I think you will love this. It's on Hulu. The last two episodes come out Tuesday. Welcome to Rexham. Highly recommend. All right, for me, I'm going. I've got three I want to recommend. Uh, on Saturday, yesterday, as we're, as we're recording this, yesterday, my wife asked. Apparently, she had been reading some stuff on Candy Montgomery, and she asked me if I'd heard about it. And she saw that there was a show. And she said, "Have you seen this?" I said, "No, I haven't." I said, "I heard it's good though." And so we turned it on. It's it's not a real long season. It's a limited series. Uh, but uh, if you haven't seen Candy on Hulu, it's good. There are some parts that are a little bit harder to watch. Uh, that it does drag a little bit in kind of in the in this middle section. But when they're the first episode is just is just absolutely dynamic. It is. Just, I was immediately hooked after watching the first episode. Did you see Candy? I have not, and I have some friends that highly recommend it as well. It's it is on my list. I actually chose the offer over candy it was one of the ones that i have that we're trying to get get to watch at some point yeah it's based on a true story and i don't normally just go for things that are based on true story a whole lot but this one it was really good like i said the first episode is just so very intriguing and very compelling it's got melanie linsky in it it's got jessica Biel i was in about it. to say mm-hmm. one of our favorites <laughs> yes I know. and she's really good in this and i wasn't really sure Shocker. yeah i wasn't really sure how they were doing this because i mean if you know the story i mean it's no real spoiler i mean because i mean the, it's the story's out there i mean she dies in the first episode they even say that in like the first five minutes like the day she died is one of the things that it says on there uh so i was like how are they going to actually put her in this and they do just a lot of flashbacks and stuff that and that's how she's in this but the the first episode is just so incredibly compelling and like i said the second and third are a little bit less so but once they kind of get into like the court case and all that stuff it just really finds uh another level uh pablo schreiber i think is his name uh he i love him too he plays melanie linsky's husband in this he's really good uh the i cannot remember Raphael something that plays he's plays uh he plays one of the DAs that went through. Uh, he played the the DA that was on Law and Order SVU for uh, quite a while. I don't remember either character's name, but he's he plays. I believe you're talking about Raul. Yes, Raul Sparza, and he plays the attorney for 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 Jessica Biel's character Candy in this, and he's just really good. I mean, a little bit of typecasting going since he's playing another lawyer, but yeah. it's it's really good too. Uh, but like I said, that the first episode just you when you're watching it, you're just completely hooked in and it just it it's the like i said the middle episodes are a little bit of a tough it, it's they do such a good i mean it feels like you're watching a show that was actually filmed in 1980 i mean the music yeah. the setting the way that they just capture everything it felt like something in 1980 and it's like i said th- that's as much of a part of the recommendation as anything else just be how, how they capture that feeling so incredibly well like you're just actually watching it like you've been teleported back in time uh, to 1980 and just watching the show unfold i mean there, there's a lot of talk about about the shining because it came out during this time there's a lot of talk about star wars uh, empire strikes back and actually how th- this that ends up kind of shaping the plot just like i said there's a lot of, a lot of really good things in it so uh that's my and first it feels like Melly Litsky 
It feels like Mel Mel Alinsky's could be one of these that comes up randomly because yeah. mm-hmm. I just want to tell people we we love her and you're going every time she comes up one of us is going to say praise her. So. Yeah, that's right, and she's really good in this. I mean, it's it's she can play this character that she plays in this so very well because she kind of it's a very similar character to what she did in Yellow Jackets. Uh, just the way that she has to go about about her role, it's it's very there's a lot of similarities to it. And when you get to the finale, you're just going to be like, I mean the finale is fantastic you will absolutely love it so uh, when you watch it it's just fantastic so uh second recommendation i had seen this show on on apple quite a bit and i heard it was good and i just never got around to watching and i haven't finished the first season uh it's home before dark uh it's about a like an eight-year-old or nine-year-old uh who is the daughter of an investigative reporter and this is kind of similar it's it's based on some true events and this little girl like did some investigative journalism and into into a murder and like uncovered some stuff uh but oh, i remember when this came out and i never watched it this does look good yeah it, it is really good i thought it was going to kind of be like for kids for a little bit because they focus a lot on kids in this there's there's like three kids that are kind of doing the whole investigative journalism part of it but there's some very grown-up stuff that they also deal with in this in this show as well uh it's only got two seasons they keep saying every time i look for a third season everybody says they felt confident it's going to get one but they haven't renewed it yet for a third season um we're almost a year since then so i don't know if it's going to get one but what i've seen of the first season is really really good it's like i said i'd, I'd seen i'd seen it a lot but uh, i never really got around to watching it. i finally decided to catch a few episodes and i'm really intrigued by it the, the story is absolutely is absolutely captivating and i'm one, i can't wait to finish this first season because i'm almost done with it so i want to want to finish it up uh my last one i have a question for you so let me let me ask you a question for my last couple my last recommendation mm-hmm. ryan what according to tyler durden is the first rule of fight club uh we don't discuss fight club what's the second rule of fight club we don't discuss fight club i'm asking you that because i sent you a text about this during the lsu fsu game uh, the florida lsu florida state game apparently there was a commercial for this show called little demon i had never heard of it i had (laughs) never heard of it not at all and this representative from the state of louisiana like went on this tirade about the show in on facebook and he has apparently because it got so much attention he has he has posted about it two or three different times look this is a show i never would have seen heard watched because it's it's on fxx uh, if you want to watch it it's on hulu but here's the thing look i watched an episode of it it is funny i will say this it's a bit much even for me. I, I like I watched uh, the what was that show that I watched back in April? Uh, the Legend of uh, Vox Machina. It is really pushing the 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 raunchiness in that in that animated show. It's super raunchy. This was even a bit tough for me. I'll just go ahead and be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm not really sure that that I'm enjoying. It. It's really funny. It's it makes you feel super awkward when you're watching it at times though uh but the reason i'm bringing this up is one of the recommendations i want to give to people if you are morally offended by a television show the worst thing you can do is draw more attention to it yes i agree if you have a big audience don't don't bring it up yeah because look i know in everything i've seen since this guy posted about it he keeps saying well you know what i'm going to make a stand for what is right and for what is morally correct I get all that, but all you're doing is every time you post about it is drawing more people to it. Because like I said, I never would have heard about this show 
had people not like because I had a whole bunch of friends who kept posting this guy's stuff about about this show, and that's the reason I found out about it. I would never have seen it, never would have heard of it. And that's what I wish people would understand. If you hate something, and look, it's one thing, unless, like if a person, if there's something in real life that somebody does that is truly morally reprehensible, that's one thing. But when you're talking about a TV show, and it's a, it is a very, very, uh, it's a TV show on a network that doesn't just draw a ton of viewers. This is for a very specific audience. All you are doing is broadening the the audience for that show when you yeah. get on your platform and talk about it. Give us the name again. Uh, Little Demon is the name of the show. Yeah, I, I plan on watching Little Demon now, and I just I'm sitting here laughing because this guy brings up this show. Multiple people posted on Facebook, and here you are bringing it up. Little Demon is the show on Hulu. Let's just say that again. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we we have thousands of listeners. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, that might want to watch Little Demon on Hulu because some idiot found it offensive. Right, and look, I look. I, I, I can, if you find it offensive, I completely understand. If you watch it, you'll see exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, it, I can understand that, but you know, just ignore it. Just ignore it. That is all you have to do. And part of the 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 outcry and the outrage about this is because FX is now owned by Disney, and Disney has become like the one of the punching bags that the the far conservative stuff likes to go after because uh, it's just because of their their opposition to the don't say gay bill in Florida and everything that goes along with it. I don't want to get into politics of everything, but like I said, it, the more you draw attention to something uh, that ultimately has no consequence a television show has no consequence it ju- it, yeah. it just doesn't i don't care how much you want to try to say well it influences people and because it's animated children might want to watch it children aren't going to watch this unless they unless you actually put it on for them i mean that's just the way right. it is so i mean it, the reason they do animated in this type of stuff is so they can push boundaries a lot further than they they could you know, like cause if they're doing the things on the show in in like in like live action it would be like on like a pornography channel or something like that it'd be it'd be a lot different but that's the reason you do animation is because you can push boundaries a lot more on animation than you can on uh real life and that's on uh live action that's the reason they're doing it so like i said just ignore stuff people yeah, I'd hate for Little Demon on Hulu to become a huge, huge hit where Little Demon on Hulu has to have multiple seasons. I'd hate that. Yeah, look. I'd hate for the people of Facebook to to have more to complain about. Oh, and gosh. Little Demon on Hulu might be the thing. Yeah, f- Facebook has enough stuff to complain about. So, so like that, but I never would have heard about it had he not posted something about it on yeah. Facebook and everybody else wanted to make their stand about it. So. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, you don't realize what you're doing when you give something. When you well, go maybe ahead, we should tell them to keep posting. We're finding <laughs> more stuff to watch. <laughs> keep telling us what you're finding offensive. <laughs> our, our fan Rob Hadway had a good point about it because he posted about it, and I told him I, 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 I responded to him. I said, you know, I never would have heard about this had this guy not gone on a rant. He said, people need to understand the power of the no sell. Just by not saying something about it, you will do. You're not do by going out and broadcasting it is you just, you give it an audience that you never intended to give an audience to. So, all right, enough about that. Enough about my rant on that. So, uh, anything else you want to add real quick? Yeah. Go to Hulu and watch. <laughs> <Little> <laughs> go watch. Little <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. Well, I will say, I will ask people to tell if you haven't watched the first the third episode of Lord of the Rings, uh, the Rings of Power, go watch it because our midweek episode is going to be on that. So I would recommend going to watch that as well. But uh, anything else you want to add besides that? I appreciate everyone joining us, and we will talk to you next time. I would echo those same sentiments, and as always, oops, that's the wrong music. <laughs>